It's Bartender Journey, episode number 39. Vince here. I've got an interview today with the authors of a book called The French Quarter Drinking Companion. French Quarter, of course, being in New Orleans. And I met one of the three authors while I was down in New Orleans for the Tales of the Cocktail event. She was a lot of fun to hang out with, so we talked about getting together for an interview for the podcast. So that's coming up next. And uh, unfortunately, Skype was not my friend this week, and uh, we had a few issues. But uh, once again, this week... There was a few, just please excuse any uh, weirdness you hear in the audio. So sorry about that. And uh, also I want to talk about our friend Cameron, who um, he's been on the show a couple of times, and he tweeted a great question talking about how to balance a cocktail. We're going to talk about this subject again in a future episode, uh, but it's such a great question and um, an interesting subject. So we'll touch on it a bit today, and then we'll bring it up again in a future episode. And uh, hopefully next week, our plan, Vano and I, to get together and do a, do a podcast out at my outside bar, and we'll mix up a few drinks and talk about this question again. And um, if you have any cool cocktail recipes that you'd like us to try, We'll make them live on the show, and that'll be fun. Anyway, back to Cameron's question. The four basic elements or components of a great cocktail are acidity, which is that citrusy, you know, lemon juice, lime juice, um, sugar or sweetness, bitter, and, of course, the alcohol. So if you balance those four things just right, you're going to make an amazing cocktail. So that's what we're going to talk about and uh, try to make some next week. So anyway, here's that interview. Again, I apologize for the weirdness that Skype introduced to the audio, but uh, here it comes. Hello. Hello. Hi, it's Vince here. Hi. How are you? All right. Let me uh, start by saying this is, ah, you got a dog with you, it sounds like. I have my dogs in the studio with me too. The other room here. (laughs) Give me just one second. Okay. You guys go over here. I have the same problem when I'm trying to record, so. Okay. Sorry. I think he heard your voice and, uh, you know, went into immediate panic. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Well, uh, <laughs> so uh, okay, uh, Allison, I'll go first, and then I'll throw it uh, throw it over to you. Allison and Richard and I visited a hundred bars in the French Quarter, and we wrote a story about each one. We chronicled our adventures drinking across the French Quarter uh, from the very, very high, classy, fancy establishments through the more neighborhood uh, informal stops making our way down the tawdriness of Bourbon Street and ending up in some real dives. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was. It was quite an adventure, and it took several months. It was just uh, interesting to kind of see the quarter progress over the summer and then into the fall and... Finally into the winter. I absolutely do. I, 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 well, of the, of the things that I remember from Tales of the Cocktail, uh, that's definitely one of them. 
Mm. Wow. Wow. Um, so I think that they they need to be sort of ready in the French Quarter. Okay. Let's, let's so let's just say this because in, in different establishments that could per, perhaps it changes a little bit. But I think you have to be ready for anything. Mm. Ready for any kind of person in any state of attire and any mental, physical place to walk into your bar and to not be flummoxed and to be um, uh, ready to to serve them in a in, in a pretty friendly way. say just in general the trait of a great bartender is very much along the lines of what Elizabeth said but I, I think I would just say in general a great bartender adapts to and susses out the needs of the person on the other side of the bar whoever is sitting in that stool could be coming into the bar for any number of reasons and I think because we went down to the quarter so often um, and we're drinking at different times and, you know, you go in with different moods at different times of the day. And while we were writing a book, it just became very clear that the reason why people go to a bar and drink is numerous, right? It could be consolation. It could be on a date. It could be for watching the game. It could be meeting up with a long lost friend. It could be that they have been alone in their apartment and need to be around people. And the person who is on, who is the bartender, you know, is almost like a priest. Have to really suss out the needs of the other person. And that is totally aside from all of the craft and the artistry of, of course, making a great drink, that aside. But I think it's this kind of instinct and intuition that makes for a great bartender. Well, I think that um, one of the things that we focused on in, in the book uh, is that in the French Quarter in particular, and granted, if you're, if you're coming to New Orleans, most folks are, are going to be staying in or near the quarter, um, is the, the breadth of diversity um, within a half a block, um, walking into somewhere super swank and then turning a corner uh, into a place that's a total dive or, uh, you know, where some neighborhood dart club is meeting or such. So I think that my personal list, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to guess Allison will have, have her, you know, we all have our own, right? But it, it involves a high, a, a fancy, a neighborhood, uh, and a dive, um, or something with music or making sure that you're on Bourbon Street or something. So for me, I love the French 75 bar, um, which is in the restaurant Arno's. I love its intimacy. They have quality bartenders. Chris Hanna uh, is, is there, and he tends to get a lot of love in the bartender community. So that's my super fancy place. And um, my neighborhood place is uh, not far from there. And I really love the Aaron Rose. 
which gets uh, some tourist traffic but never ceases to feel like a local place. And then I think, uh, and I would never have said this uh, before writing the book, locals tend to be very dismissive of Bourbon Street and what it has to offer. They say, oh, that's touristy, it's vulgar, it's kind of dirty or sloshy. Um, but I had a damn fun night at Crazy Corner, spelled oh, with yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it was <laughs> such a good night. And we looked at each other and said, wow, we had so much fun. Nice. And, um, and so, you know, there's, there's plenty of other iconic places. We have a whole chapter in the book that is iconic bars, you know, so I'm, I'm sure that other, other, and I'm going to throw it over to Allison and see, you know, see what she says. But those would be my three. Like if you, if you're coming, if you've never been here, um, that you get a, you get a sense of the different ways that you can drink in the quarter. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Allison? You know, I would absolutely have to agree. New Orleans is a city that makes space for all kinds. I would agree with Elizabeth that visiting something on the fancier side, and that and that could be something like French 75. Um, it could be the Sazerac Bar, which is the one bar we made an exception for. It's not actually in the quarter. It's a couple blocks away, but it felt so much a part of that important drinking history that we put it in. Other bars that you might think of would be something more in the iconic category, something like Jean Lafitte's. Um, because it is such an old building and the architecture. And another one that I would throw in for that same reason, so either Jean Lafitte's or the Napoleon House, um, simply because the architecture there is so exceptional and so unlike any other place that you would find in the United States. You feel quite transported in both time and place when you are in those establishments. Uh, I did want to interject something when Allison brought up the Napoleon House, and this is something, this is more a larger comment on New Orleans, but um, I definitely feel that it uh, uh, reflects on how how we like to drink in, and, and that our idea of, the New Orleans idea of high high end or shabby uh, mm. tends to overlap. <laughs> the Napoleon House is um, uh, so I, I give uh, cocktail walking tours in the French Quarter, and we walk by the Napoleon House. And Allison, this happened last night. So in, inevitably, somebody on the tour points to the Napoleon House, which is this this yeah, it is an iconic institution. New Orleanians love this bar. It's beautiful, but the outside, its exterior is, um, it's uh, weathered, I guess would be a, a, not a, a kind term. <laughs> and inevitably somebody on my tour says, wow, that place needs some paint, needs a coat of paint. You need to like spruce that up. And um, I think that uh, when we drink in the quarter, in particular, we're very comfortable drinking in places that are not necessarily spruced up, even if they are uh, not seen. Like, the Napoleon House is not a dive at all. Mm -hmm. um, but it still has this uh, patina of time. Right. And, right. and you, you feel that when you drink in the quarter. Well, let's move on. I wanted to know if you think, if there's anything you think 
people could learn from from New Orleans bars, from French from French Quarter drinking culture, uh, in the in the rest of the world, the rest of the country, the re- other bartenders and owners. What can they learn from um, from New Orleans? Elizabeth, why don't you go first on that? Okay, I well, I what I think of is less about what bartenders can learn. And it's more about what their patrons can learn, mm. which is um, that drinking is drinking is okay. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a place for that. I, I interact with a lot of visitors who come here, and they're always surprised at how social the drinking is. And that I mean, obviously, we get to walk around, you know, with our drinks from bar to bar, but there is, um, there's not a lot of guilt or shame associated with any kind of drinking here. All kinds of drinking are okay. Mm. Uh, from a beer and a shot to some super fancy crafted garnished 10 minute cocktail. Mm. And, and also that, the drinking that you don't have to pay attention to because you're doing it while you're seeing a friend you haven't seen in 10 years. Drinking is just facilitating the visit. You know, that it's just this integral part of our lives. Right. We do right. it all the time. <laughs> and, and we value bartenders here. Mm. In our book, we thank all the bartenders. You know, without you, we would not be able to live our lives the way we we like to. Unfortunately, I don't know. Like, I think bartenders already know all this. Right. right. I don't think that their patrons necessarily do. Ah, that's great. Yeah. And it makes a big difference being able to take that drink with you and travel into, you know, move on to the next place. That's, uh, I think New Orleans and I think New Orleans and Las Vegas are the only two cities in America where you're allowed to do that. Right. As far as I know. Uh, Savannah just added it. Savannah, Georgia. Um, but I think you can only do it downtown, like in their little historic district. Mm, mm-hmm. It really allows the evening to unfold in this very compact but always shifting way. Right. And I think you tend to run into uh, more interesting, a lot of new interesting people that way. You know, I when I was down there last time, we ended up in, in some like dive bar. It, I don't know. It looked like an S&M club or something, but I didn't know where I was. But it, I never would have gone there except we ran into some people. Sure. Are, make your now. But the, <laughs> we just started talking to some people who were at the bar next to us, standing at a bar next to us, and they said, you got to come. This is the best bar in the French Quarter. Uh, and, you know, telling me nothing about it, right? <laughs> was it the dungeon? Yes, I think it was. It might have been the dungeon. It, it's was, like, it was like half a block off of uh, Bourbon Street. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I also love, and this, this sort of speaks to, because people forget, you know, people forget that there's no closing time here, that bar, bars are not required to close. Many of them do to just sort of tidy up, in, but, um, but they're not required, uh, which means that bars can open very late if they want to. And for a, for a long time, the dungeon opened at midnight. And uh, a while back, they started opening at like nine or ten o'clock, and there was a lot of disgruntled patrons who felt that the dungeon had sold out. You know, and when I've shared that with people who live in places where you know last call is at one or two, yeah. 
you know, they just can't really wrap their wrap their heads around a place that opened at midnight. Well, New Orleans is, you know, it didn't surprise me that Las Vegas is the other place where you can carry around a drink. Because I think that New Orleans and Las Vegas both have the attitude that adults should be allowed the choice, mm-hmm. however badly they might make that choice, but allow the choice, you know, to, to engage in these sorts of activities. So that's why we just don't really have closing. Right. You live in New Orleans, you encounter people who come here, who've, who've heard of it, who've maybe saved their money to come here, who've dreamed of coming here. But their understanding of the French Quarter in particular is really narrow and it is kind of limited to this like Bourbon Street and I will even say Vegas experience, like this hedonistic, decadent, showy, vulgar, people just getting hammered and, you know, taking their clothes off and and uh, and while that is entirely available to you. Um, I think for for those of us that live here, we have um, wished that visitors also understood that the French Quarter offered uh, is a neighborhood. It, the people live there and buy groceries. And there's a school, more than one, you know, where children <laughs> children live in the French Quarter and go to school there. And and so um, we we chronicled the the bars in, in the French Quarter as an attempt to um, to teach people and uh, visitors and locals alike or remind them that, th- that this is a, a vibrant, really diverse neighborhood and that the bars reflect that. Right. And that there's beauty and there's camaraderie and there's um, intimate, quiet uh, places to escape and to um, have really a slow kind of visiting that is antithetical to the Bourbon Street experience, if you will. And um, when we were writing our stories, I think we tried to make sure to include those elements as well as chronicling the more um, obvious ones. Right, right. Yeah, when I was down there last time, there was lots of events for Tales of the Cocktail, of course, but any uh, free time that I could find or downtime, I was I found myself always on Bourbon Street, and I had to remind myself, get the heck off of Bourbon Street. There's so many fascinating places to go um, once you venture off the main strip there, you know. It's like Times Square here in New York. On that note, I'd love to hear about your favorite sort of um, quintessential New Orleans cocktails. What are your favorites? Well, okay, so I, I have two answers because for for sheer story and connectedness of New Orleans and yada, 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 and I, also I love whiskey, um, you know, I, this, the Sazerac is my favorite, right. but it is not my favorite cocktail. The Old Fashioned is my favorite cocktail, which I also think you can count on getting a pretty good one in most bars in the quarter. Even if you go into a place that is not uh, swank at all, this is a city that never quit drinking cocktails. You know, and and this is a place that is um, sort of fiercely attached to tradition, 
The reason I love the old fashioned is it is my mom's favorite drink. It's the drink I grew up sneaking sips of. So like this whiskey line of continuity in my family, right? And that's it's very true in New Orleans where people have grown up here and they're you know multi generational. And um, so these old traditional cocktails, sort of the standards, never ever went away. New Orleans is also, I, I would say, in general, suspicious of the new. And um, although you can get any kind of teeny, you know, apple teeny or whatever, like all that's available, the um, older cocktails have kind of held out. Mm. So, and I think it's also why the Sazerac never quite died. I mean. They, it was, it was hard, something that was harder to get, but you could always still kind of get it because we were proud that we invented it and, you know, held on to that. But anyway, so that's my very long, longer answer that, um, my favorite cocktail is an old fashioned. That's really cool. I never thought of it that way, but right now there's this whole movement of what's old is new again in cocktails. And, uh, to think that it just never went away in New Orleans is, is a really nice thought. I like that. So would you like to tell everybody how to find you, Twitter and websites and things like that? Yeah, sure. So um, you can visit our website, which is the spiritedtipplers.com. So we, in the book, we refer to ourselves as the tipplers. Mm -hmm. And so our our website is spiritedtipplers. And um, I'm I'm on Twitter at E.T. Pierce, uh, P-E-A-R-C-E. I don't know if you're... If your visitors click on the podcast, they'll see how my name is spelled. And I'm going to do a one shameless plug for my business, Drink and Learn, drinkandlearn.com. Um, I give uh, tours and presentations and drinking experiences telling the history of New Orleans through its iconic beverages. So visit our website, buy our book. Yeah. Any- take the tour when you go down there. Indeed. Awesome. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to see you next year at Tales of the Cocktail. Yes, thanks for having us. All right, my pleasure. Thank you, Francis. It's been a hoot. It was fun. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, guys. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, that's it for this week. Remember, if all things go as planned, Vanna will be back next week, and we'll do our usual um, bartender banter. And we'd like to make your recipes. So send us some interesting recipes, original recipes or classic recipes of drinks and maybe we'll make something on the show. So send those as soon as possible so I can get the ingredients. All right. And you can send it to vince.bartender at gmail.com or tweet me at barkeep tips. Remember our website is bartenderjourney.weebly.com. And there you can find our tip cup to help support the Bartender Journey podcast and keep it going. Please, we accept tips gratefully and humbly. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.